Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we are talking about the short story Cicada Queen by Bruce Sterling, which I believe was written in 1983. Uh, Adam's been going through an anthology of science fiction, and we decided to talk about some of the short stories in there. And Adam is going to largely be our guide to this universe, because this is a... Uh, a genre uh, or a subgenre of science fiction that that uh, that he knows a great deal more about than me. This is this is cyberpunk, correct? Or this is at least considered. This is part... a yeah, Bruce Sterling and uh, William Gibson were the two biggest names in cyberpunk in the eighties. Okay, and, you know, William Gibson being the biggest, but Bruce Sterling is the, the the number two name for the most part. Yeah, so this is like this is uh, a little outside my wheels. I remember trying to read Gibson and not getting very far, just to give you an idea of how how little I know about the subgenre. But I but it obviously became a huge subgenre, and it influenced a lot of you know science fiction and science fiction movies. And there was even a book I read recently, uh, Ancillary Justice, I think it was called, that clearly seemed to kind of have some of the cyberpunk elements to it. Um, so, so it still seems to be pretty relevant. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I think here, here's what I thought of. We were talking before the podcast and we'll get into the story in a minute, but you were talking about how, you know, you were, you were, you were repairing somebody's computer and you clearly know a lot about computers and, and, you know, tech and programming. And I know zero about it. So I'm wondering <laughs> if that might be the entry point to cyberpunk. Uh, if you think that having a knowledge in this story, it didn't seem to be the case, but I'm just curious if you think having a knowledge of computers enhanced your interest in cyberpunk. Uh, I didn't have as much knowledge when I first got into it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting actually, because William Gibson at the time he wrote Neuromancer really didn't know anything about mm. computers. He knew people that worked them and it's more about about what he saw in the culture mm. around computers, whereas Sterling is a pretty tacky guy. So it's kind of funny that, like, you know, you you totally bounced off Gibson, who's the guy who <laughs> really, really isn't isn't a tech guy, and it's like you did better reading the guy who actually actually likes to dig into the uh, the nuts and bolts of things. Yeah, and, and I don't honestly remember what it was that didn't grab me because obviously Neuromancer is. You know, it's a classic now, but when I was mm -hmm. trying to read it, I think this was before it was really sort of established as part of the science fiction canon. So it was, <laughs> it was, you know, I, I felt more comfortable just kind of not finishing it. Um, I could yeah. probably try to read it again and see if I've changed my opinion. But I will say, cyberpunk has just generally never been one that's I've just never gravitated to it for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I did like this story uh, and. You know, there were parts of it that I found a little difficult to grapple with in terms of I was being dropped into a, a setting that had a lot of concepts and I had to rapidly sort of yes. absorb them. Um, and so and this, this is the third short story he wrote in this setting, too. So there's a lot of things where he's kind of just dropping stuff in there, which you don't need to fully understand it. But you're, you know, I mean, and it's not like there's the same characters from story to story. It's just the same setting from story yeah. to story. But there's kind of an evolving history over the course of these what, stories. So you're definitely being thrown in the deep end. What this this Here's what the experience reminded me of. I told you before the program that it, it sort of reminded me vaguely of books like Ringworld and Dune and mm -hmm. other types of books where mainly Ringworld and like Heinlein for the sexual stuff that seemed to be going on and Dune for the world building stuff that was going on. But yeah. I felt that it was kind of like reading Dune, but 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 
if Dune were presented in a way where all of the institutions were a lot more opaque and I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, so, so that I didn't have these, these hooks to sort of land on until later in the story when they started to gel a little more. So, so when he introduces, and we'll, I'll, I'll let you give a summary of the plot in a moment, but, but when he introduces the dogs, for example, I was not sure what to imagine. And, and honestly, and, he never, he never clearly explains those. I mean, there's some kind of robot beast, things i mean they're kind of drones basically but i i don't yeah i, I mean they're called dogs so i'm kind of picturing this mechanical dog yeah. drone thing but yeah i it's you know then we get tigers introduced later which are yeah. much scarier than dogs but yeah. uh and yeah I, I i think that was kind of an interesting choice there it's like you, you know he just kind of you know your, your brain just fills in the details however you want yeah, and, and, and so and so I guess my my preference as a reader is I generally prefer books where they give you some clarity around <laughs> because I tend to get confused the further along I go. I was able I was able to sort of find my way, but it def I definitely the feeling I got while I was reading this was one of like swimming. I felt like I was sort of swimming in a in a soup of all these ideas. And yeah, and maybe that was his intention. So I was trying to sort of lean into it. A little I bit. think it's a deliberate intention. Yeah. I mean, it's, he is trying to keep you somewhat, uh, you know, I mean, it, it is, it is, it is partially the intention of the story to make you feel, whoa, things are really kind of strange yeah. in this world. <laughs> no. And, and, and I can, I can appreciate that. Sometimes I just get, I don't have the stamina like ancillary justice did something similar where the, it, the main character was a computer. So the computer didn't understand male and female pronouns very well. And at first it was very interesting because it would describe you know, a character as male in one sentence and then as female in another, and it would just get them mm -hmm. constantly confused. And the effect that had was you never, you never really knew how to imagine the, the character. So I thought it was interesting, like the first 50 or so pages. The problem for me was, as I got further into the book, I didn't have a clear mental image of a lot of the characters, so I found it easier to forget who the characters were. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's it's interesting. You know, you say you know after fifty pages because my feeling is stories like this where they're kind of keeping you off center a bit. You know, off you know where you're you're not sure. They I think they work great in short stories. Like this is not a particularly long story. It's like boom, it goes yeah. through. You're done. It's like if you're reading two hundred pages of that, it's just like uh. I agree. I, I agree a hundred percent because that was my feeling at the end of this. Because there was a moment early on where I was almost angry a little bit, and I was like, uh -huh. "I'm going to really give my opinion strongly tomorrow." But then the more I read it, the more I eased into it, and the more I realized it's only a short little voyage, so I can, yeah. you know, I can do the work to 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 sort of navigate all this. And, and in the end, it was it was well worth it. Um, but I don't know that I would have wanted to have done that for 300 pages. 100 pages. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, there is there is a novel in this series. And uh, I, I think the novel is interesting, but it is definitely the weakest one because, uh, I mean, you know, the, with Bruce Sterling's novels there, uh, he, he comes from a journalist background mm. and his his novels tend to read like those travel books, which I'm not saying they're bad by any means, but those travel books where someone goes to a place, they talk to people, they learn yeah. about the location. You get lots of setting detail and conversations with locals and stuff. And it's like he's kind of take, write, writing a travel book about this science fiction setting you're in. And uh, 
which is which is interesting. But it's like you know, I I all the Sterling books I've read, I found worth reading and enjoyed them. But they're not something. They're you're you're not going to get that thrilling hook that's like pulling you through yeah. because there's something really dramatic happening all the time. So yeah, uh, I agree. I think I think I I think Bruce Sterling works better in short story form. Okay, but, yeah, no, and and this was a very engaged. Also, his descriptions were very good. I thought. I thought that uh, yes, he 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 was his descriptions were so polished you could slide off them sometimes. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they're, it was, they're 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 quick. I mean, he 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 like he does. They're not like super wordy descriptions, but he's very concise. I, I think well, I think that's a jerk part of his journalistic background coming in. He there. finds the right word because I felt like I was reading long descriptions sometimes. Uh, like I would imagine something very ornate off of very little text, which I yes. think is a good sign. Um, again, the again the only part that is is confusing in in the description is that he will throw a concept at you and not explain it. So that's it's it's also at a, to a degree it's concise, but a concept you have to kind of think about. You can't just you know so that so and there's a lot of concepts in this, and some of them are sort of real world concepts. Some of them are elaborations or you know manufactured concepts which is mm -hmm. typical in science fiction um but but usually like you know to just use a, a classic example psychohistory is uh you yes know, you know that's that's a but psychohistory is clearly explained from the get-go and and this would be like if you just kept throwing around the word psychohistory but never really addressing what it was <laughs> you get you get a lot of that in this book um, so you get a hint, you get a sense, um, but you're not sure if your footing is right. You might, you know, one wrong assumption and you might, you might be led astray. Um, but why don't you give the summary of the plot so we can, we can. Yeah. And actually, before I give the summary of the plot, I'll just give you an idea that the project I kind of t took on, cause this, the, yeah. the book we're working from is the year's best science fiction, uh, anthology from 1983. And uh, I started this series on the fifth volume as a teenager back when the fifth volume first came out. And I read it for years. I would read this book every year. And uh, but, yeah, I, I thought, you know, the 80s were when I first got into science fiction. I'd like to revisit it. And I thought as a project, I'd like to go through and start with the first volume and kind of go through and, and look at these stories, you know, with comics. The 80s were a long time ago now. Yeah. It's like when people talk about classic science fiction, they don't often mention the 80s. And I thought, well, you know, people talk about 80s science fiction movies all the time, that kind of thing. But it's like, what, what, how, how well does all this stuff yeah. hold up, so, you know, the passage of time? How far back does this uh, book go? Like, uh, this is 1983, but how, what years? Uh, are covered by this series uh it, oh well this series is, this is the first volume it starts in 1983 oh okay the so there isn't started. like a 1967 or 19 this this is no no okay. this, this uh, that's why i thought this was a good good okay. anthology series to use because this is kind of one that begun began in the 80s okay, okay. so it's you know and, and then it continues through this this still comes out every year you know there's so the fact what whether i'm actually going to succeed in rereading the entire series again is debatable because that's uh, a, a lot, lot of a lot of ground to cover but uh yeah when i when i mentioned i was doing this brandon thought well yeah we could do some movie interesting to do some of these as part of the podcast yeah. and so on from a context of you know what what would be ones I think he might find interesting, what might be interesting to talk about from a role-playing perspective and so on. So this, 
This is the first one in the first book, but it was also one I felt was worth discussing. Yeah. But yeah, the concept of this is uh, Landau, who's the protagonist of the story, he's a... Uh, uh, defected to this uh other faction from his own faction and uh he's been under watch by these dogs which are these drone-like things that have been monitoring him 24 hours a day for his his time on the station and he's finally been trusted enough that they're going to call the dogs off so they're having this big party where the dogs are going to be pulled away he's finally going to have privacy again and uh He's, he's, he's basically created this, this new form of lichen that's going to help terraform Mars, which is the reason, you know, it's like he's, that's his gift he's giving to the queen. And the queen is this alien that runs the station. So at this point, I'm going to detour from my, uh, you know, synopsis of the plot. And I'm going to give you some actual background here that you were okay. probably curious about. In this setting, you've got like two factions, which are... Uh, humanity is kind of splintered. You've got the shapers and the mechanists. Mm. And the shapener, shapers are people that have gone entirely over to bioengineering. Like every person is just a bioengineered person. And uh, and the mechanists have uh, gone down the route of just cybernetic implants and stuff. But and, they're uh, both trying to alter themselves, right? Because like, that, that's yes. the basic thing. They've gone down two entirely separate roads, and so this essentially humanity's kind of divided into two two species to an extent through this, and uh, and they they don't get along with each other. But there's a there are these aliens called the investors that have contacted the solar system, and uh, they have interstellar travel, and they're willing to take people around to other systems and stuff, but they won't share any of their secrets, and they're kind of dealing with uh dealing with humanity in a business sense and uh this the station ck station which is where the story is set uh an investor that was exiled from that alien race she's kind of set up her own station in our solar system and she is pulling people that have defected from the mechanist uh group and the shaper mechanist groups so you basically got this station that's kind of protected by this alien queen and uh, it's got, has got this this mishmash of shapers and mechanists. So it, it it creates an interesting story where you've got these characters working together that would usually be on opposing sides. So that's that's I I I wonder if that helps you as far as understanding the setting. No, it does. It clarifies a lot of things. Some you know some of the, and I was sort of content to read it with a little bit of fogginess around the. Uh... You know, yeah, I thought I thought about sending you like an email and going, oh, well, here's all the backgrounds mm -hmm. of this story stuff. I thought, no, just just see. see. Yeah, no, I, I had to find my way. And, and, and again, at some places it was it was it was not always 100 percent clear to me, but it was still kind of intriguing. So I, you know, I, I, I it, you know, once I got past the initial frustration of, man, he's just not going to explain things to me, is he? Then I, yeah. I, I sort of it fell into it more. Um, but uh but yeah, so I'm sorry. Continue with your uh, your synopsis if if you yes. weren't done. Uh, so yeah, but he he has a uh, kind of a patron on the station uh, called Wellspring, who is this apparently hundreds of years old mysterious figure who uh, uh, it's got a lot of schemes going on, and uh, he's he's the favorite of the uh, the queen that runs the station, and uh, so he he presents the lichen to the queen as the gift. And uh, Wellspring is uh, uh, very, very much into wanting to terraform Mars. A lot of this ref 
goes around that. There's kind of there's kind of two seems to be two factions on the station. One's just more pragmatic, wants to day to day make a profit. Yeah. because uh, there's there's really no profit in terraforming Mars. I mean you created this habitable setting, but then it's up for grabs by anyone. So the more pragmatic faction is opposed to that. But uh yeah uh the story gets very murky past this point. So it's kind of, it's the feel of this story to me, it's a lot like one of those forties noir kind of movies where it, you're, you're kind of intrigued and you're interested the whole way, but it, it, you know, you're, you're never entirely sure what people's yeah. motivations are and who's telling the truth. Cause even having read this story multiple times, I, there's a lot of things I don't know. There's, we hear multiple stories about Wellspring's background, for example, but which one's the true one? Yeah. I don't know. You know, well, we it have al- a. It also kind of ends a little bit like 2001 for me, where yeah. you have this. I mean, there's like a transhuman element to the story, I would say, and uh, and and it get and it, and 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 whereas Clark is sort of you know he's got sort of this idea of almost like a natural progression to something less physical and more enlightened as time goes on, uh, even if there's like a moment where the switch is pulled, it sort of feels right. This felt like a much darker. Uh, yes. take on that. So he kind of reminded me of Dave, sort of, you know, uh, you know, sort of transforming in the even the way that that section of the story occurred. It it wasn't like you got a really clearly laid out line of things that happened. You, you kind of jumped around a little bit at key points. Like all of a sudden yes. he had this big surgery, and there was no there was no description <laughs> of the surgery. Right? You just no, nope, he's just there, and you only find out how 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 changed he is when he when he talks to what's her name valerie um, yes and she's like your voice is different and and, and and like there's like this dawning horror of like oh my god this guy is like like he doesn't even have like a normal voice he's you know and it, well it, on top okay. of that too valerie's a shaper and he's 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 had the surgery on him where he's been made into this lobster yeah. thing and which are these 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 mechanists that can live in outer space in hard vacuum and he, you know, it's like to her, it's like to a shaper, you know, becoming a mechanist. It's like it's it's, you know, like, you know, a Mac person buying a Windows yeah. computer. It's it's an unimaginable. I, I would horror. say it's even a little bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, yeah. but but I just loved to, what really got me was the voice. When I realized his voice was changed, that really unnerved me a lot. Um, yeah. So I thought that was very effective. And again, it was it's 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 like a much darker version, kind of, of what happened to Dave. And the protagonist doesn't seem to be aware of of the gravity yeah. of it. Is it was I correct in in getting the sense that he was just kind of like, that, yeah, I have the same reading. I mean, it's ambiguous. I'll tell you one thing that I found interesting. I, I read the story another time last night, and something that really jumped out at me is Wellspring is one of the pivotal stories in this character, but we almost never see him. You know, he he shows up at the party at the beginning, says a few words, disappears off the scene. Then, you know, when he arranges for the surgery that, you know, that that, uh, Landau gets to become the lobster, we never have any dialogue with him. It's like, oh, I found Wellspring and Wellspring introduced me to Modem who set up the surgery. And it's like... It's like it's like Sterling is deliberately keeping you from seeing many scenes of Wellspring. So Wellspring remains this enigmatic character. No. And oh, go, oh, ahead, go, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. OK. And then, it, like you said, at the end of the story, there's this change. And by by the final part of it, it's like the story is pulling back 
from Landau. It's like we don't, you know, early, you know, the early part of the story, Landau's kind of our viewpoint. We're kind of seeing through Landau's eyes to an extent. But by the end, even though he's still telling the story, it's, it's like we he doesn't seem like a reliable narrator anymore by the end of no, the story. No, 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 because again, he's he's totally not like again, there there's a minor thing where 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 it's suggested that the surgery is a temporary thing, but somehow I just don't buy that. It seemed like Yeah, I, it, that seemed dubious to yeah. me. <laughs> and, and 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 again, the he just does not see, he he's sort of talking about how unhuman uh, the lobsters are. He sort of describes how they're, they're the, you know, the, the, their favorite things to do are like nothing like what humans like to do. And, and he kind of yeah. seems to have contempt for them, yet he's one of them. So he just isn't even, he's just not self-aware enough to realize that he's become a lobster, it seems. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, I, I found it interesting, but like you, I, I think, I, I think it's, it, it, it does suggest he's not a very reliable narrator. And, and, and I, and I guess I was going to ask if, more information about Wellspring was revealed in other stories because I was even wondering if there was like maybe a Tyler Durden type thing going on with Wellspring or do you know what I mean like you, you know like we just yeah well at well, the end they you know at the end they have people think that Landau like oh because you know, Wellspring you know spoiler dies in the story and then Landau kind of comes out you know and and finishes Wellspring's plan to, to uh, terraform Mars and so you know, a lot of people think in the story that, oh, Wellspring, uh, you know, they, oh, this Landau is really Wellspring. He's just yeah. taken on Landau's identity because he's, he lives so long. And, and Landau's perfectly happy to allow that to happen. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, I mean, it definitely that, that Tyler Durden question of uh, is there some, some greater connection going on here does come to mind. And, and also... The love interest, his his love interest, yeah. Valerie, is a psychopath. She's like 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 murderously, uh, yeah, crazy, right? Like, and and uh, and so it's just and and the main character is kind of presented as a I don't know a little bit of a nerd, wouldn't you say? Like he doesn't seem like a. Uh, well, he's he's a he's a nerd, but he's a shaper nerd, and that he's he's inhumanly handsome through bioengineering. Oh, yeah, yeah, and has has great you know psychological insight but he yeah he is a nerd but he He's doesn't just a... he seems more interested in mundane things and not somebody who would uh, you know be drawn to such a dangerous person i don't you know? know he spends a lot of because the, there's the whole scene with kulagan kulagan is this mechanist who's mm. a friend of his that that is you know he's kind of got He's got wellspring as a mentor who's the the dreamer one and, and kulagan is just this mechanist who's very uh very pragmatic yeah. spells all the time and, and I should say, I kept getting Wellspring and, and Kulag and confused for some reason. Maybe because they were just the only, like, two other people that he really seemed to have connections connection. to. Yeah, that weren't romantic or uh, antagonistic. Um, yeah, well, his, his relationship with Valerie is very romantic. It's uh, in the sense, you know, not saying it's love, but just in that it's it's very much he has this idea of Valerie, but it doesn't seem like he really knows her very well. No, no, um, I would agree with that. Yeah, and, and that, to bring it to since we brought up Valerie's insanity too, that's uh, another interesting thing in this story is that you know the shapers have tried to create super geniuses, and the, the smarter they make people, the crazier they end up being mm. whereas the the mechanists like have enhanced their brains by you know linking them to computers so it's like when mechanists are very smart they're just very predictable and uncreative mm. they're just they, you know they've, they've both kind of hit this this certain impasse with uh 
with with super intelligence. You know, the, the, the mechanists, when they get too smart, give up any sense of creativity or spontaneity, and the, the shapers go nuts. So, but um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I, it, it, but it was it, it was definitely an interesting story. I I I uh, you know, I I, I when I first started, I did have reservations because they were dropping a lot of lingo on you. And I was yeah. like, "Whoa, there's a lot. There's a lot here to like, you know." Because I think they, what was his name? Was it was it was Cooligan, the one who was sort of uh, schmoozing with people at the start of the story, and 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 sort of. No, Wellspring was the oh, one. Oh, that was, who was Wellspring. At the party. Okay, yeah. so, so as you can see, my confusion with those characters is deep. I think so, I think Cooligan was at the party, but I don't I don't recall him doing anything notable. They just kind but, of introduced him at that point. But that conversation where he was talking about, you know you know, all these different things, you know, he was just dropping term after term after term. And, uh, uh, and they were, they were connected enough to real world world terms to confuse me. Um, yeah. So, uh, but, but it established the character and it also gave me, uh, a preliminary sense of some important terminology that got repeated over the course of the story and explained further, uh, more by showing than telling. Um, yeah, but, uh, but but it but it, but you kind of pick up on it as as the story uh, moves on. Um, but I think I think the thing about this this story that really got me was the body horror element. That was the yeah. part that really affected me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's uh no. I I think you know you mentioned earlier to, to double back. Uh, you know about transhumanist elements and cyberpunk elements, and one reason. I, I like people to go back and read stories like this is that in the 90s and the 2000s, when people talk about cyberpunk, they try and build this, you know, it happens a lot in the role playing community. They try and build this wall between transhumanism and cyberpunk. And I'm like, there is no wall. They're the same genre. I mean, okay. you know, you know, there's this this kind of popular definition you see a lot well cyberpunks if we had this technology and everything went bad and transhumanism is if everything went right and i'm like no because i mean in this story it is it is a transformative story and we do have the positive change of mars happening but it also happens in a very cyberpunk way of yeah. murder and, and also, treachery and lots I, of people dying I, again i'm not as familiar with the cyberpunk genre but i think whenever you have subgenres of science fiction it's kind of dangerous for them to limit what the outcome should be because the interesting yes. thing about any what science fiction will often do is they'll sort of they'll ask questions about what humanity is going to become you know, under certain conditions or if this happens or if that happens. And, and, and there's always sort of the optimists and the pessimists and they, and they, and I think that you should have both and, and, you know, you should always have yes. both. Um, and there should be room for both. And if a genre is just dedicated to the optimistic view or the pessimistic view, you're not really having an exploration of the idea. So, yeah. uh, so that was one of the things I found intriguing about this is it, it seemed like a direct reply to stuff like Clark. Um, mm -hmm. it, fe it felt yeah. like, okay, I can, I, I, I have something that I can grasp onto. And they're probably intervening stories too that I might be unaware of and stories before, but it's this idea of, you know, uh, you know, transcending humanity isn't necessarily always a good thing. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and again, it's, 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 it's really, I think the core thing in science fiction in general, whenever it's, well, whenever you have a, story set in the future um the the unnerving thing about it is often 
humanity is so different from us. That's the scary thing. And sometimes yeah. that'll be in the form of, oh, well, society is different. And they have these weird policies that we would never imagine having. Or, uh, hum- you know, in the case of the end of eternity, humans can time travel. And they have this, this incredibly long durée view of, of what's good for humans. And, and it results in, in all of the things in the short term that sort of make human connections matter just kind of evaporating. Um, yep. So I, I, th- I think that, you know, the, you don't, again, I, I, like, I like viewing this stuff as sort of a thought experiment, conversation, uh, you, know, you know, Clark says one thing, this other author, author will say something else and there'll be, you know, and so this, this felt like it was part of that to me. And I, I feel like um, this feels like a story to me that like, like as somebody who doesn't read cyberpunk, I see a cyberpunk novel on the shelf. I'm like, oh, I don't need to read that. That's I, mm-hmm. I know what that is, even though I've never like even read a, a cyberpunk yeah. novel. Like I said, it's it's a lot more complex genre. And I mean, yeah. the, and you know, going the other side, this is more on the on the transhumanist side of cyberpunk. But even going with Neuromancer, which is the, you know, this is this is, this is the year before Neuromancer comes out. By the way, okay. so this, I like you know I like talking about this story because this is this is cyberpunk before the defining work of cyberpunk came out and made everyone decide what cyberpunk was. And uh, even Neuromancer, the idea that it's pessimistic, it's like, I mean, you haven't read it, but it's, it's basically about evolving machine intelligences trying to gain, get to transcend to a higher level. And I mean, and, it, and it, that continues through the whole trilogy. It's like, yeah, it's, Neuromancer's got a lot of dark violence and greediness to it, but it's a very, I, it's it's a very transcendent novel. Transcendence is the central theme of the Neuromancer okay. trilogy. But uh, you know, but now there there was something else I know you wanted to talk about, which is this came out in the early '80s, and we wanted to discuss whether this felt like it was a product of its time or yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I I'm assuming you had thoughts on that, so um. yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of is my, my thought is that uh, it's it's in, it, it is it is a product of its time that, that cyberpunk felt a lot more, a lot, a lot freer in 83 than it would, say, in 86, a couple okay. of years after Neuromancer. It's like, you know, after Neuromancer, suddenly cyberpunk becomes stories of people that are that are, you know, that hack computers with their brain and and they're, are, you know, doing work either for or against big corporations and and it becomes it becomes a a plot rather than this kind of movement you, you, know? you know what's you know what's interesting a lot of things in the 80s were kind of like that like what neuromancer came out in what 84 84 yeah so so i think to like early 80s like say metal for example and rock and roll a lot of uh-huh. those early 80s metal bands there were still traces of the 70s in there and there were still traces of the 60s in a lot of what was going on but then yes. sometime around the mid 80s, you know, after like Ride the Lightning and albums like that come out, you have this crystallization of heavy metal where it takes on a form that is just not at all as rooted in those things anymore. You can, you know, you have like a very concrete idea of what heavy metal is. And yeah. and I feel like you see that with a lot of stuff in the 80s after 84, 85. <laughs> so maybe that's kind of what was going on here. You have a story so- in 83 that's still tied to the you know because because they exist inside of you know there there were cultural changes you know that were going on so 
Um, yeah, and I mean, I you know, for people that are interested in early cyberpunk, there's a, a an anthology Sterling put together actually called Mirror Shades, the cyberpunk anthology, and like I would say at least half the stories in that book, if the person picked them up today, would go, "That's not cyberpunk. That's okay. not even close to cyberpunk. What? What? How is this cyberpunk? Because it's like, it, you know, it, it's I, you know, it just really close because i mean one thing too you know as as role players to get into the role playing community we uh you know we, a, a lot of i i was reading these stories before the, the cyberpunk role playing game which eventually became you know the, the, the cyberpunk 2020 and that was most seems like it was most gamers introduction to cyberpunk so rather than getting into it through the books they got into it through this game which which gave them a very skewed idea on what cyberpunk is. I I really like the role playing game, so I'm not knocking it, but it uh it really it really gave people a, a much more limited idea of what the genre was. Okay, no, that's I, I mean I'm glad we read it because I I when you told me cyberpunk I was definitely kind of like oh man like like I like I said I don't <laughs> read cyberpunk so I'm I'm I kind of like and I have I have like a, a an image in my head of what a cyberpunk. Story yes. is going to be. And one of the that first was... things I'm, I'm you know, that that imagery that is, you know, sort of imagine. And, and this really didn't have that. A lot of the imagery struck me more as, like I said, like Dune like in its, um, you know, mm -hmm. just just in the kind of world it was building. Um, and 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 I and I and, I, and, I, and it felt, you know, it, it felt like a, um, uh, it, it wasn't. It wasn't like a lot of times if you read like a subgenre that's clearly defined, you get a lot of cliches and stuff like that. And this didn't feel like that. Um, yeah. And I guess part of it is that it was sort of in on the ground floor. So, you know, that. Um, but, yeah. but, but usually when you go back and you read like the originator stuff, the cliches will be pretty apparent. Do you know what I mean? Because they started the cliches and this. I didn't have that feeling. I, I felt like no. This is before the cliches. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, I don't know. There have been some. Burning Chrome is already written at this point, which is a a story in the same setting mm -hmm. as Neuromancer. So actually, the 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 typical hacker cyberpunk story does exist at this time, but it hasn't. It has. It's just another story in the well, genre. It hasn't become yeah. the genre yet. We'll have to talk Nick Seidler into coming on the program if we do another cyberpunk thing, because oh, he's should. a big cyberpunk fan, and I'm sure... Oh, we should have had him in on this. Yeah, yeah I, I, I now now, now have, have great remorse, but uh, uh, oh well. We'll at least but, have to have him listen to it and tell yeah. us what he thinks. But, uh, but no, but this is interesting, and now the, the, the good thing is, I am curious enough that I might want to read neuromancer i'm not sure you know like i like i'm like okay maybe i'll give it another shot um you know again yeah. I, I sort of i sort of was very I, I i would say i became quite stubborn in not wanting to read cyberpunk um, yeah i i know i understand a lot of the a lot of the things people say about cyberpunk in the role-playing community is stuff that i'm just like it puts me off i'm like no you're you're talking about this role-playing game you played. You're, you're talking about your role-playing sessions. You're not talking about cyberpunk at all. It's like it's like someone someone talking about the time they they played, you know, Keep on the Borderlands and equating that to Lord of the Rings or yeah, something. Yeah. It's like it's not the same thing at all. <laughs> I never got into steampunk either. Steampunk was another one that kind of, you know, sort of went over me. Oh, um, steampunk's another one where if you go back and read the the early 80s steampunk it's a very different thing than uh than yeah that's a whole other topic but i know you need to go so we'll, and, and uh, yeah and, and, and i have we'll read, table that for another podcast yeah. 
and and I well well yeah well I I had a question about steampunk, but I think we can we can hold it for now. Um, so so yeah, so I don't know any other any other thoughts on this story, um, and 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 the anthology in general because obviously you've been reading it, so I'm curious if you would recommend it to people. What your yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we're, we're not obviously not going to try and podcast every story in every anthology, but we'll probably be doing periodic stories from this anthology series. Yep. And uh, I, you know, it's it's they're they're all available on Kindle, so it's like even if you can't find hard copies, they're, they're it's very easy to get into this. And uh, I I would recommend it. I mean, it was it was a great series back when I started with the fifth volume as a teenager and uh i uh, a lot of actually i'm finding a lot of the stories in this first volume are things i'm actually familiar with already i've uh you know i'm like oh because so it's like the point being that even having not read this anthology at the time it picked winners it picked stories that would be remembered okay so yeah and and we've also talked about doing books and things like that so i'm sure we could have all kinds of uh you know things in the future with um with science fiction we adam and i both seem to enjoy science fiction um so i i would say his knowledge is deeper than mine but we have a shared affection for it so we'll you know I, depending on what scheduling allows we'll, we'll probably uh be doing other stories in the anthology but also we might be going to i assume shorter uh novels but still maybe going to some novels occasionally and doing some novels would be yeah. good too yeah um but yeah so uh we will let you go and uh also uh if you if you didn't check it out, we have the painted skin discussion from Friday up on the podcast for Wuxia Weekend. Uh, next week, I believe we're doing Wu Yen. If I if I'm mispronouncing it, I apologize because uh, it's a movie that I I, I I learned about through Kenny and uh, and and I, I I haven't seen yet. So this is which is rare because a lot of times when we do these, I it, I, I really have seen the movie before, and so <laughs> it, now this is a case where I haven't seen the movie, and so. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I have no idea what my reaction to it is going to be. And so that's always exciting to me. Um, but yeah, so uh, we will let you go and uh, we will talk to you later. 